What's up, folks? I'm Ken Desmond, and welcome to a new episode of TNE, the Nirvana Experience. And uh, today, we just going to talk about a couple things uh, that I got on my mind. It's not like the Let's Talk episode where I talk about stuff that happened in my past life, uh, well, in my uh, in my past. We're going to talk about you know, some of my favorite wrestling moments, um, Mortal Kombat, iPhone. So we're just going to get into it. Before, but before I even start... Before I even start, I want to give a special shout out uh, to my friend Capri. You know what I'm saying? She just graduated college. Uh, I think she said she's finna agree to take up uh, data entry or uh, cybersecurity. I forget what she said she's about to do, but I just want to give a shout out to her because I was going to shout out and congratulations on this week's episode of TNE. First and foremost, bro. Tomorrow, after three years, three, four years of waiting, tomorrow, Mortal Kombat 1 finally fucking come out, bro. Bro, that's why I'm recording today. Today, as of right now, I'm recording uh, on September 13th, which is a, uh, 2023, which is a Wednesday. I usually record on, you know, Thursday or whatever. But uh, I'm going to do the show early because I'm going to get lost in the sauce. I'm going to be... I say a good 10 hours on Mortal Kombat nonstop because this one of my favorite franchises of all time. Bruh, I've been waiting for so long for that game to come up that I be finding myself just watching um, uh, gameplay reveal trailers and launch trailer and watching folks play the beta. I wasn't able to play the beta because I'm on PC and um, the beta was only for people who pre-ordered the game on console, you know, PlayStation 5 and the is boxes so people was able to play the game at least see how i feel and not me i ain't get to play no beta or nothing i, I was just i'm just struggling and uh bro i'm too i'm i'm too ready like one of my favorite characters besides like i got kano and shang sung those are my two favorite characters in in mortal kombat and shang sung is a pre-order bonus and bro I, I'm, I'm so ready for that man to be. Uh, I'm so ready for that man to be in the game so I can play with that man. Uh, the main thing I like about Shang Tsung is you can't trust that man. Like, like at the end of Mortal Kombat, like the DLC uh, expansion for Mortal Kombat 11, the aftermath expan- uh, expansion, he was doing stuff, and folks were like, "We can't trust you, Shang Tsung." He was like, "No," nah. he was like, "I'm not gonna do this or so so so." But he ended up betraying everybody in the end, like he like like everybody thought he was. Them folks thought he was gonna they knew he was gonna do it, but they still fell for it and, and he still betrayed them for it. I love that shit. But uh and another thing I like about him, he a sorcerer, you know, he the read like in the original lore, he the, him and Ermac the reason for Melina being created and stuff like that. But uh Yeah, man, uh and this more to come, but he got some type of claws or something on his hand. Like a... Uh, uh, it reminds me of Vega from the Street Fighter series. Like, how Vega got that one metal uh, claw that he be using, or uh, what a metal claw on his hand he be using. Shang Tsung got something similar to that. I don't know. I don't know, but either way it go. Either way it go. He getting played with. No homo. So I'm like, bro, I can't wait to play that John, bro. But, um, yeah, fool. I, I, bro, Bro, I'm going to tell you what made me mad yesterday. Well, it didn't make me mad, but I'm like, damn, bro, come on. Yesterday, 
uh Apple did the, you know, they they their annual uh, Apple event where they show uh, show the new iPhone and uh AirPods and all type of stuff. So they show they 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 announced the iPhone fifteen and the iPhone fifteen pro. Bruh. The only difference from what I see is they 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 remove the uh mute button. They they call it the action button now. So you can have it assigned to whatever action you want it to be. So it ain't gonna be no more mute uh buttons on your phone. Uh by default though, if you push the button, it'll automatically put your phone inside the mode, but you can have it set to other shit. Um uh, and they took away the regular, you know. Apple uh, iPhone charger. So now all new uh, iPhones going forward from the 15 on up going to use USB-C. Bruh. That's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Because what about all the folks that's like got all them damn old iPhone chargers and they can't even use them with with the new one. So I'm like, man, at this point, at this point, it just... Default just selling default just selling you the same thing over and over and over again. And and I'm and I'm bruh, then Efo show uh Default show uh um Resident Evil 4 uh to be able to play on the iPhone 15. I think they probably be adding like ray tracing to uh one of the features to make the games run smoother and stuff like that. Man, look, iPhone gonna pre-order on the fifteenth, and they're gonna be released on September twenty-second. And bro, I'm not getting it. It defeat the purpose. I'm not getting that done at all. For the simple fact, I got the iPhone fourteen Pro, bro, and I don't see, I don't see nothing. I don't see the difference. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the difference is. Like, I, I know what's the difference. But it ain't a vast difference, like an upgrade from the phone that I got now, at all. Now, if you want them old, like um, people that get like an older phone, like an iPhone, I said from back from a thirteen Pro on backwards, yeah, getting a fourteen or fifteen would be a substantial upgrade, bro. But as far as like people who can have the the phone that came out last year. My suggestion is you just save your money and don't even don't worry about even worrying about getting a new uh iPhone because it's just a they're just a waste of fucking time and money. And I and I just I just can't believe that the folks doing this shit like that, bro. Like it's at, it's at the point now. It's at the point now. Apple only doing that shit because like all right, I'm gonna say this. I understand that adding some of the new features to like the iPads and iPhones and all that type of stuff. It will require like you paying a little bit more extra money, but at the same time, bro, you they 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 inflate their prices because they know people gonna go out there and buy this shit because it's Apple. Now don't get me wrong, I have an iPad, I have an iPhone, I got a uh, Mac Mini, and everything. I love Apple. I got AirPods, but my thing with me, I'm not bro. I'm not finna pay. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars, almost thousands of dollars for a uh, 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 Apple product that I don't see what's the benefit or purpose of it is, bro. Ain't no way in hell 
I'm finna pay twelve hundred dollars for a phone that I already get. But I could, I could, you know, people can easily trade their fourteen Pro Max in to get a discount, like 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 trade it in and get like a cheaper price for the fifteen. But I don't even want to do that shit, to be honest. Oh, that's half here. Man, I've been trying. I've been trying to take my mind off of uh, playing Mortal Kombat Breath for the last past week. I come home from work. I be turning on my computer. I'm like, right, I'm gonna sit here and play a game or something. Just you know, take my mind off of it. Every single game that I played, bruh, I could not. I, I was like, I don't even want to play this shit. I was like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for Mortal Kombat. I don't want to play none of this shit. I don't want to. I, I, I even tried. Like I had uninstalled Mortal Kombat 11, the last Mortal Kombat game that came out. I even tried playing that joint. I was looking at this. I'm like, I'm tired of playing this shit. I only want to. I, I'm like, man, I quit that jump so damn fast and turned that shit up. I'm like, I don't even want, I don't even want to play that shit no more. So I turned that off. I'm like, my God, damn. Um, man, I'm, I'm like, one of my favorite shows growing up, one of them, that's still in my top, my top three favorite shows of all time. Uh, well, I'm going to say top five because Monday Night Raw and SmackDown uh, my top two favorite shows of all time, but right behind it is a uh, that '70s show. That's one of my favorite shows. Uh, and and my and I got four favorite characters on there: uh, Hyde, Eric Foreman, Michael Kelso, and Red Foreman. And uh, you know, you know what's so. You know what's so fucked up about this whole situation? I'm gonna talk about that Danny Masterson um uh case. He was convicted at first, like a couple years ago. It's this show called The Ranch on uh Netflix. And I love that show. That's one of my favorites. And it got all it, it like mainly got uh Ashton Kutcher. And Danny Masterson, they the two main characters from uh that seventies show that, that and they played brothers on the ranch. And that show was a it's a real fast show. We got Sam Elliott as they dad and everything. That show real good. And um in the midst of I think like the second or third season, they end up killing Danny Masterson uh character off the show because his allegations of, you know, raping two women back in the uh days in the early two thousands. And you know, to me, the show just wanted the same without him on there. You know, his name was Rooster on the show, and the show just wasn't it. It, it wasn't the same no more. And um, I never understood why men in power, because whether you want to believe him being a a, a TV show star, or whatever, whatever, he he was a man in power. He had influence. He was famous. Men that had that type of influence or that type of power, bro, they can almost get whatever woman they want. I never understood why when you can when you have that that much access to women, especially pretty pretty women that you normally won't have access to if you want in your position, why would you want to go and sexually assault and rape a woman? I never understood this shit with these celebrity dudes. Like he needs to go out there and be like. I, I I think it's because 
once you be in the position for so long, like when you first get famous, you be like, all right, uh, everything new and all that type of shit. But once you be a celebrity for a substantial amount of time, and you try to talk to a woman, and she and, she, and for whatever reason she ain't into you, your ego get uh, destroyed. You be like, what the fuck? Do you know who I am? I'm like, bro, I can have any woman I want. And then they'd be on some other shit. So, and then, you know, and then just some of these, they just on some weird shit anyway. So, according to, according to the women that, uh, uh, said he, uh, raped them, he's supposed to have drugged them folks first. So, uh, uh, they were like, they, they, I forget what they said exactly. I think they said, uh, one of the women said he drugged her. And then after she was like drugged up and out of her mind, she was raped. So this was supposed to happen. Like he did that to two different women that, that we know of in 2001 and in 2003. Bruh, that's at the height of his success on that 70 show. At the height. That's around about because that 70 show ended in 2006. So, and the show started in 90s, 98. The show started in 98. So 2001, 2003, that's in the smack dead prime years of that 70 show when it was like the at its peak. So for him to be doing that shit during that time period, that shit is like, bro, that shit is crazy as hell, bro. Like, the fuck? Like, I don't know. Like I said, I never understood why men in that position do that type of shit. He, he ain't the only one. That's a lot of them weird ass, creepy ass dudes that's in Hollywood. They do shit to these women, especially when they, uh, when a woman trying to pursue her dream of being an actress or a musician or something like that, and these dudes that's in a position that can help them become who they want to be, be like, all right, well, shit, I can help you put you on, but you got to do such and such and such and such. And even if, like, like some women will do this shit, even if they don't feel comfortable doing it, be like, well... I do want this. I do want this fame and all that type of shit. So she'll fuck him and shit. And then soon they soon the dude get what they want. They be like, "Well, I never had no intention on doing that shit. No, I just want to fuck." And if some dude, they be like, "If you want to get on, often a uh, you gotta do such and such." And they just go on there like rape their ass and shit. And I and I never understood this shit. So the judge, uh, when 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 did they when did they do the the, I think it was the other day, a couple of days ago, the judge finally, uh, they they found the jury found him uh, guilty, and the judge, uh, uh the Los Angeles, uh, judge, sentenced this nigga to thirty years to life in prison. This fool finna be in jail for the rest of his life, and he already in his forties, I think. So. He'll be in his seventies if he get out. And this shit, bro, this shit ain't worth it. Ain't no woman, ain't no woman worth your freedom, bro. Bro, at the end of the day, if you try to get a woman and she ain't into you, it's so many other women out. He be like, man, fuck this shit. I just gonna talk to somebody else because a thousand no's can equals a thousand yeses from other women. So like. I don't understand. Like he got what he deserved. Like if, if he if he guilty from this shit, if he actually did this shit back then, he he absolutely deserved what he got. Thirty years of life in jail because I don't think no man should do shit like that to a woman. 
uh one of the uh i forget what episode it was but i know one of my episodes i did uh a whole show based on human trafficking and rape victims and all that type of shit so i ain't so i ain't i ain't, I ain't into that type of shit at all and then another thing you gotta think about another thing you gotta think about if he did do that right if he did do that those the only two women that came forward so them that they can't be the only two women that he did that shit to. He had to do this shit to a whole bunch of other women, and they were just either one too scared to get uh to come forward, or two they got paid off. So I think about I think about all that type of shit too. And um, one of the test uh one of the uh the district attorney I think his name was Rainho Mueller or something like that. I I'm trying to remember his name. Bro, that man sat here and said he was consistent in the manner in which he forcibly raped each one of his victims. That means he did the exact same thing to both of the women, and like he was, bro, he was just really raping these folks. And uh, you know what the crazy part about that whole thing? Doing that whole trial and everything, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, they wrote like a character letter to the judge. Uh, from what they say. From what they say, they was they was they was writing. Uh, they did a video. They made a video uh, apologizing shit after he was sent, like after his sentence and, sh- and shit. And they were like, what they did, the read they wrote the character letters because uh, they were trying to get the judge to understand the type of person that they known for twenty five years, they friend and all that type of shit. Look, I'm gonna give y'all an example. Me and Jay, we've been knowing each other for years. One of my best friends, my brother. Uh, I never know what he's truly doing because I'm not with him every day. You know, he's he's married with a wife and kids and all that type of shit. So he might be into some shit that I'll be like, what the fuck? You, ne- you never know. Same thing, vice versa. Like, he, he, it's shit about me that he don't know and what I'm into and all that type of shit. I ain't into no weird shit. That shit weird, but like, I'm just saying, you never know you your your best friend, even your brother and sister. You know these folks your whole entire life, but you never know what they truly into. You never know what type of shit that they like capable of and all that type of shit. So for Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis to like write them character letters, bro, it it, it made it seem like that they was on his side and just trying to get that nigga free and shit. And um. I understand from their point of view because that's their friend and all that type of shit. But my, I hold my niggas accountable. Like if you on some rape type shit, I'm like nigga, hell no, nah, you on you bullshit. Like nigga, what the fuck wrong with you? Like I won't be doing none of that type of shit. So, like, no. Nah. So they made they made a uh, they made a uh, video, and they were talking about uh, they let us one uh, rent to keep him out of jail and. Uh, to uh, question the legitimacy of the judicial system or the, valid- the validity of the jurist ruling and shit like that. I'm like, man. And, you know, there's some people that ain't even accepting that apology. They were like, the only reason they even made that video is because he got sentenced and got found guilty. And they were like, uh, if he would have never got found guilty and never got sentenced, they would have never been making the video, which is the absolute truth. And you know what's so crazy about that? Ashton Kutcher got a foundation where uh I, f- I forgot the name of his foundation. Uh he got a 
uh foundation where he like combat human trafficking and rape victims and stuff and i i forgot the name uh fuck i forgot the name of that joint uh i'm gonna find out i think it's called hope or something it's like it's uh i forget but he on 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 normal on on normal he he fight against this type of shit. he even went to court uh he even went to court and like made a whole like little speech and speaking up on somebody's behalf about uh uh sex trafficking for children abuse and all that type of shit. like like and for him to to defend Danny Masterson, that's how you know they friend and shit like that. That's what it's called. It's called Thorn. It's called Thorn. He got a foundation called Thorn. And uh, he started he started there with his uh ex wife, his first wife, Demi Moore. And uh I think I think they were I, th- I think he said they were watching like a uh a documentary. They were watching a documentary and uh 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 about kids getting sex traffic and uh cambodia that's what that's what that's what it was he was he was uh talking about uh some folks uh they were watching him and Demi Moore watching some kids get sex traffic a documentary about sex trafficking in cambodia and uh that's why they, that's why they started the the foundation i think it was started like in 2012 2011 some shit like that but uh but yeah, though. So for him to defend that man like that, that's how you know that was that man friend and everything. When he, especially when he got a whole foundation on the premise of you know combating those type of behaviors anyway. That's that Hollywood shit for you, bro. I mean, we knew half the stuff that went on in Hollywood, man, and all the shit that went on, and man, a lot of folks want to be as revered as they are, bro. Especially some of these like executives and the actors and the rappers and these singers and bro if you looked into their private life you wouldn't be you wouldn't be man because they borderline be worshiping like i know i love michael jackson as far as him being a uh singer and truly deep down in my soul i believe that he didn't do none of the stuff that he was accused of but in actuality i really don't know because i want there with him but it's just a lot of proof that came out like people coming out saying that you know, he was lied on to get taken down out of his position of power and shit like this. So that one made me believe that uh he was innocent of the shit that he was that he was charged with. Especially, bro, think about it. The FBI investigated this nigga well, investigated this nigga for ten years. The FBI investigated Michael Jackson for ten straight years, turned his house upside down. Tracking his phone call, looking at his like reading, looking at his voicemail, like listen, his voicemail, everything that you can possibly do, taking pictures of this man, private parts, like everything, ten years straight and didn't find shit. If the if fool, the one thing about this country, if the feds want you, bro, they gonna get your ass. They gonna they gonna get your ass. If the feds want you, they gonna get you. They gonna do some investigating. They gonna find something to get your ass. They didn't find, they couldn't find absolutely shit on Michael Jackson after 10 years of investigating this nigga. And within those 10 years, all the folks that came out that uh like that um supposed been he supposed been on did something to, 
came out like, my mama made me do this for money. And my dad made me do this for money. And he never did nothing to me and all that type of shit. Like, Defo literally came out. Uh, Defo literally came out and admitted that they was lying. So, like, and then years later, after this man passed on, like, Mike Jackson, had, he passed on now for 16 years. Wait a minute. I think it's 15. Yeah, 16 years because he passed on when I was when I was 15, uh, 16. So it's been I'm 30. So it's 15 years going on 16 years. And bruh, Mike Jackson, been he been he been dead over a decade. And these folks, the same people who what's his name Wade or whatever, whatever same folks that came out and said that Mike Jackson didn't do shit to him. Now they come back out like a couple, couple years ago, came out with the Finding Neverland documentary, come, trying to come up with new uh, conspiracy talking about Mike just did do this shit, man. Man, let that man rest, bro. His soul is with the Most High again. So like, it ain't even it ain't even worth even bringing this type of shit up no more. Especially when nigga, when you already admitted that he ain't do shit to you, like yo shit. I wouldn't even if I was a lawyer, I wouldn't even take on that shit. I'm like, motherfucker, you already said that he ain't do that shit. I ain't know why I'm going to win this shit. But at the end of the day, like all people, well, I ain't going to say all people, but like majority of the people, they're obsessed with the dollar. And they still trying to get money off this man when his, when he unpaid most of these folks off. Uh, if I was my job, I would never sell the shit. But I understand, like, he was like, his lawyers advised him to go on the sell and pay the money so he wanted to go to court. Uh, Dangerous album had just came out. He's about to get to go on tour and all that type of shit. He paid them for twenty million dollars. That's a lot of fucking money. Twenty mi- bro, twenty million dollars, bro. Ain't no way in hell I'm paying somebody twenty million dollars if I ain't do shit. It ain't. It ain't no way, bro. It, 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 it ain't no. It ain't no way. Cause I'm like, bro, that like to some people, that's like admitting guilt. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like admitting guilt, and and I, and I I just I just can't do this shit. So, cause like, uh, twenty million dollars in 1991, 1992, is the equivalent of forty five million dollars today. You know, if you factor in, uh, like inflation and you know that type shit. Man, I ain't no way in fuck mode. But like I said, the only reason I believe that Mike Jackson was innocent because it's too much evidence out there that's proved proved his innocence. Too much evidence. It ain't the case with uh Danny Masterson and niggas like him, like Harvard Weinstein and all that type of shit. It 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 is it's it's bruh. He did this shit. Well, I ain't, I ain't gonna say he did it because I want actually there, but if he did do this shit, he got exactly, exactly what he deserved, bro. He got exactly what he deserved, bro. So, uh, let's move on. So, all right. So, I had hey, AJ. I was like, hey, bro, give me some ideas for this week's episode of TNE. And one of the uh, ideas that he uh, that he threw out was like my top three wrestling moments. It's so many moments of wrestling that I love. So many. And um it was it was it was so hard. It was so hard for me to just narrow this shit down to three. 
but so what I did was just pick my top memory, like the top three moments that had an impact on one wrestling and me in person, me personally. Uh, let's see, uh, let's see which one I want to start with. All right, we're, we're gonna start. We're gonna start off with number three. Uh, anybody that's that's a wrestling fan, that's a millennial, that's right about my age. They know about the Monday Night Wars, or WCW versus WWE back in the day, and you know WCW was being WWE ass in the ratings for eighty three straight weeks, and all that type of shit like that. WWE had to create the attitude era because they had to leave. Like during the early nineties, during the new generation era, they they had the WWE. They shit was more cartoony. Like they had like hero type wrestlers and there's only a handful that was like relatable being bret hart uh diesel Shawn michaels uh who am i forgetting uh razor uh, razor ramon so it, it, it was like a it was like a handful uh psycho c it was, so it was like a handful of uh wrestlers that won a gimme like cartoony you know what i'm saying uh hulk hogan he was the you know say your prayers and eat your vitamins type you know they were doing that type shit back then but people by the time 1997 came along people weren't really into that type shit no more that they was in the 80s and the early 90s so they had you know WWE had to come up with some or they was gonna you know go out of business uh, compared to wcw in come the attitude era so attitude era start Steve Austin is the face of the Attitude Era. Uh, Degeneration X, they, you know, take off. And um, one of the most pivotal moments to me that impacted me with uh, and the um, face of wrestling is and Survivor Series of 97. I was a little kid when that happened. But, uh, being grown and over the course of years watching documentaries about the uh, screw job and and everything, um, at Survivor Series '97, Bret Hart was uh he was the WWE champion. He was supposed to drop the title to Shawn Michaels, but uh, and Vince McMahon was scared that he was gonna uh you know Vince McMahon didn't want Bret to keep the title and take it to WCW, so he wanted him to you know to lose to Shawn. I saw him become the new face of WWE and become WWE champion and all that type of stuff. But Brett was, he didn't want to do that shit. You know, I'm just giving a summary of it. And um, Brett Hart and Shawn Michaels didn't like each other already in real life at all. But they had such good chemistry in the ring that, you know, it was undeniable when they got in the ring with each other. So they just had to keep working together. But personally, you know, especially during that time period, Shawn Michaels was an asshole. That man was a dick. And, uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't get along. They didn't get along. So, uh, Brett contract was up. Uh, Brett contract was up, and he's about to make the move to WCW. And the uh, this where the Montreal screw job started. And and what's so fucked up about that? Brett Hart didn't know what was about to happen. Was finna happen to him. They in the middle of the match. Uh, they in the middle of the match. Uh, Shawn Michaels put uh, Bret Hart in the um, sharpshooter. 
and Vince told the referee to ring the bell to, you know, to basically make it seem like their bread lost and screwed them over and shit. And it was Sean, it was Sean Michael Triple H, Vince, man, all of them had something to do with that shit. But that that moment had such a huge impact on wrestling to the point where like, like they still like this was twenty some years ago, and I'm talking about it still. Like it, it was just a huge like, bro. It was a major turning point in the Attitude Era, bro. Like that they, they, they changed a lot of shit. Like, bro, and the main thing I like about this, especially during the Attitude Era, bro, everything was kind of. I ain't gonna say everything, but mostly everything was kind of realistic. Like you can relate to it. This one made Steve Austin so relatable. This one made him so popular because everybody got a job and everybody want to be like, man, fuck you to their boss and beat their boss ass and shit. That what made him so. That what made him so popular. He was just like a blue collar motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So like this was that was the turning point uh, for the for WWE. And the Montreal Screwjob, like I said, was a major turning point in the Attitude Era because it helped create that new era of, like of realism and you seeing what's happening behind scenes on that like unfold on camera. And um, it's a shame that uh, Bret Hart career ended the way it did to Goldberg, but that's a that's a different thing. But like I said, that right there, like the Montreal Screwjob, that's one of my favorite moments. Of, of wrestling because of the impact that it had on the WWE and what it what it did for the uh, Attitude Era. Uh, my my second most favorite uh, moment in wrestling is the whole Triple H versus Shawn Michaels rivalry when when HBK came back from his injury in two thousand two. It started at SummerSlam two thousand two. And it ended like in 2004 or some shit like that. But they had so many good matches. I have two favorite, favorite I have two favorite matches, bro. Uh, two two favorite matches. 2004 Royal Rumble when they had their match then. But my most favorite one, the one I'm talking about now, is the match they had at uh, Armageddon in 2002, the three stages of hell match. They're one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life, my personal opinion. All right, so one, one like the stipulation, like they had the three stages of hell, you have to go through three different types of matches. So the first match was a street fight, the second match was a steel cage, and the third match was a ladder match. If 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 it came to a third match, if one person won one match and the se- and another person won the second match, the third match was a tiebreaker, which was the ladder match, right? Bro, at this point. Shawn Michaels had came back to the WWE and everything, and he was back. He back wrestling. He won all the way full time yet, but he was he was back wrestling and shit. And um, the 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 lead, the build up to that to that match was what what will stick out to me more than the actual match. But I I remember watching Monday Night Raw and watching uh because they remember at this time uh HBK was the World Heavyweight Champion, and I remember um. I remember watching Monday Night Raw where where Shawn Michaels was the special guest referee, uh, and Triple H had to like earn his way into a match. And if uh, he had a match against Rob Van Dam, he had a match against Rob Van Dam on Monday Night Raw, and it was for the number one contender spot. And if if RVD would have won, he would have faced Shawn Michaels at Armageddon, all type of shit. But uh, Triple H ended up winning, 
to uh, secure his spot for the uh, main event of Armageddon. And I remember it was a segment backstage where uh, Shawn Michaels came to Ric Flair and was like, uh, basically saying, if he ain't no bitch, meet me outside in the streets and all that type of shit. So Triple H was like, they, 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 you know, like later on in the show, they showed Triple H in a parking lot area uh, of the arena. And he outside looking for Shawn Michaels and shit. But Shawn, he couldn't see him. And I, uh, when he was about to get a lead, he was like, "Yeah, see, he's scared. He ain't, he ain't even show up." When he was about to get a lead, Sean Mike, you know, you know, jumping them and shit. And they was outside fighting in the in the parking lot. And the thing that I remember, uh, Triple H was in a dumpster. Sean Mike had whooped his ass into a dumpster. And uh, ABK had went to the top of an eighteen wheeler uh, trailer and jumped off that motherfucker with an elbow and and landed on Triple H inside the inside of the dumpster. And I remember when they showed the, uh, like when they panned the camera, like when they went over there with the camera to look inside the dumpster was uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H were both of them was like unconscious, and you saw Triple H like, like, uh, like fidgeting and shit, like he like like that shit really killing his ass. I like my, I, I I love this shit. Then the actual match itself, the actual match itself. All right, so the first match, like I said, was a street fight, bro. Shawn Michaels Triple H was fighting that just like like. Like like, like they hated each other in real life, even though you know they best friends, bro. I remember, I remember when uh Triple H tried. It was one point in the match when Triple H tried to like two place like Shawn Michaels over the ropes and uh through the table, but uh Shawn Michaels ended up bringing them back in the ring and shit, bro. The main part about that that match, the you know the street fight. Main thing I like about it is when Triple H had brought out their two by four. And it was like wrapped in like barbed wire and shit. He lit that gun on fire. And uh <coughs> shit. And he tried to hit Sean Mike with the hoe, but he like he he would garbage hell and miss. Bruh. Rick Flair, in my opinion, is the best manager ever for true. Like, bruh, I love I love champions. Like, I love wrestlers. They have a manager with them that they be doing shit to, to interfere and get in the match, and then the, then the wrestler win. Be like, yeah, I beat his ass all by myself. I love this shit, and it all started with Triple H and Ric Flair. And um, Ric Flair tried to help Triple H or whatever, whatever, whatever. But Shawn Michaels end up um, hitting Triple H in the face with the with the two by four that was on fire. End up hitting him in the and hit him in the forehead and bust him open. But uh, Triple H still won, like hit him with the pedigree, and he won the first match. So the second match was a steel cage match. Like all this shit consecutive, like it ain't it ain't no you win this match, take a break, then come back out. Now nah, all this shit consecutive, like you you finish that first match, you go straight into that second one. Second match was a steel cage, bro. Triple H for being the dog shit out of Shawn Michaels in that damn steel cage, and one and one thing about. This 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 storyline in particular, especially during the early uh, part of it, Triple H used to do shit to hurt Shawn Michaels back. Cause you know that was one of the major parts of this story was Shawn Michaels coming back after a devastating back injury and shit. And uh, Triple H, like it was one part on Monday Night Raw that I forgot to mention that he had a steel chair open. Like you from here to sit down in the steel chair, he had that giant open in the ring. But got Shawn Michaels and did a back break on that motherfucking land his head right on the on the edge of the chair and shit like doing green shit like that. I like bro, I, bro, I love this shit. But um, back to the steel cage, man. Um, 
like I said, both of them folk was like basically basically Triple A was mainly whooping Shawn Michaels ass in the match, but it was like it came to the part where uh uh I forget I forget I know Shawn Michaels won that that match, but I forgot how he won. I think he I think he uh uh landed on Triple A through a table or some I, I forget, but my favorite match, the last one, was the ladder match. Now, anybody that know wrestling history in WWE, from from my understanding, the first ladder match was against was with Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10 for the Intercontinental Title. I've seen that match about four, five times, and. I had to say it's up there with my my top ten. I had put that in my top ten favorite matches of all time because that, that shit was fire here. Because Shawn Michaels in the in the in the nineties, bro, was a was a that was a different that was a different monster, bro. He was one. I understand why for like especially now I go back and watch some of his old matches from like the early like the nineties and the uh, the early the mid to late nineties. I understand why they say he one of the best wrestlers ever because Shawn Michaels he was a nigga, but uh. That ladder match, I remember watching this back in the day when I was a little kid. My mama had bought me the pay-per-view and shit. I really thought that Shawn Michaels was finna keep his title. Especially when um when Mike when Shawn Michaels had grabbed the ladder and uh oh shit. When he when he had hit Triple H in the back with that giant <laughs> He had hit Triple H in the back with that giant and all that type of shit. He had suplexed that man on ladder and everything. But um it was it was tables. It was four tables. Uh, my favorite part of that match was the ending of the match. It was four tables, uh, stacked up outside the ring, right? Uh, HBK and Sean, uh, uh, Triple H, both of them was on two different ladders fighting each other trying to reach for the title. But Triple H ended up pushing Shawn Michaels off the ladder. Now both of them was on the same ladder. Ended up pushing Shawn Michaels off the ladder. And he fell through the like all four all four of the tables like stacked up on the outside of the ring and shit. I think it was like three or four tables or something like shit, some shit like that. And he pushed on Mike's off the ladder and he fell through all the tables and shit on the outside of the ring off the ladder. And Triple H won and uh took his title because he, he got his head, Shawn Mike couldn't hold it down. And he became World Heavyweight Champion again. I'm like, bro, I remember watching that uh, match on the pay per view going through all types of emotion. That's the main thing I love about wrestling, bro. Cause if you invested in them wrestlers and investing in the match and shit, that shit will have you going through all types of different emotions, bro. And I love that shit. And uh, this this like this one of my favorite moments in wrestling, bro. Like like that whole rivalry in general, that that whole rivalry. And um, my third, I mean my number one favorite wrestling moments, number one. It's when Roman Reigns became Tribal Chief. I love that shit. I love that shit so much, bro. Bro, bro, can't nobody tell me nothing about the Tribal Chief. And then the thing about it, bro, what's so crazy about it? When he was calling himself the head of the table, I ain't too much care for him then because I ain't understand. But when I started seeing Roman actually whooping in, telling story with his facial expressions and like dealing with his family and going against other folks, and he started calling himself the tribal chief. It was a fucking bro. It was a fucking rap. And the main thing I love about this shit, the main thing I love about 
this time, like this 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 current run of Roman Reigns as a travel chief, it's been so many times when me and Jay been watching um the PLEs and the pay per views and shit like that, and we talking about uh making bets on who gonna win and shit. He be talking about that Roman finna lose and shit, and Roman hold their hold down. I'm like, oh my fucking god, bro. The best moment, the best moment, the best moment was earlier this year, WrestleMania 39, night two, the main event, Cody Rhodes versus uh Roman Reigns for the WWE title and the uh Universal title. I was at bro house. I was at Jay House, bro, watching the main event. In my head, I'm like, man, I know Roman finna hold it, hold down. I know he finna win it, hold. But, bruh, bruh, everything involving the bloodline, everything involving Kevin on, uh, what's his name, Sami Zayn and Kevin on, bruh. I'm watching this match, bruh, over there, over, over, over Jay Howe. His whole, like, his, his whole family was watching this shit along with me. Everybody in that house was invested in that match because it was so, bro. We yelling at the TV like these niggas can actually hear us, bro. That's how invested we are in this match, bro. I remember sitting at that table where I always sit there. Every time I go over J House, I always sit in that same spot at that table. I remember sitting at that table watching that match. I'm like, man, bro. I really thought Roman was finna uh lose his title. I really thought he would lose. I was quiet healing. Well, it for what was making me so mad about that. Leading up to that match, Jay had already told me he would be playing that song, that Drake song. I don't know what song that is that he was playing, but Drake was in the song talking about Cody turn me up. So he kept talking about he gonna be singing that song on the way to the house and all times he, he he can't wait to play this shit. I like, man, I really don't want to hear that shit, bro. I promise I don't. Watching this match, seeing Roman get his ass beat. Uh, he getting hit with crossroads and Cody Cutter and all that type of shit, bro. Man, kicking out all this shit, making me have a heart attack. He kicking out at the very last second, like right when it's finna hit three. He kicking out. I'm like, oh my fucking goodness, bro. I thought I was about to fu- like my fucking chest, man, my heart racing and shit. I'm like, man, all right, bro. When the Usos came out, his cousin, Roman Reign cousin, the Uso, I thought, I'm like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck. Let's go and get this shit started. I thought he was about to win then. But then Sam is a jealous ass and Kevin Owens, Kevin uh jealous ass came out and was fighting the Usos and all that type of shit. And then Kevin Owens uh hit the starter on, on Roman Reign. Hey, I ain't even saying a lie. When Sam is a hit the Haluva kick on Roman Reign uh in that man, I was like, he he nailed that hoe. He killed his ass with that. I thought it was over with. But nah, it went over with crazy Travel Chief. Travel Chief, get out this shit. Dang, that's what I be talking about. Um, bruh, Cody Rhodes hit this man with three crossroads, bruh. And he was about, I, 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 was like, I was like, yup, this it. This it, it's over with. This man finna lose. But, let's go back to what I said earlier. I love when wrestlers have a manager they get in the way and do bullshit. And that's exactly what Paul Heyman did. Distracted the referee, got in there and did some bullshit. And Solar Sokoa came in and hit that Samoan spike on Cody Rose. I'm like, oh my fucking goodness. And then Roman Reigns did that spirit and, and Pentamine and won. I was like, oh my. 
bruh, I was so fucking happy, bruh. I was, so, bruh, I was, bruh, I can't even tell you the excitement I felt when when it hit three and his music started playing and he held down his title because the look on Jay face was fucking priceless, bruh. Because y'all don't understand how this man was talking shit the whole build up to that match the whole fucking night, bruh. And I really thought that I was finna lose. I really thought that shit, bruh. I remember when that man won, I was trying to get his baby to throw up the fucking one and all that type of shit because I was so happy, bruh. That's one of my favorite wrestling moments, bruh. For the for the simple fact, like all the emotion that was involved, the build up to it, and and just how it made me and Jane interact with each other and with the family and all that type of shit. Like that's what that's why I love wrestling so much because it's shit like that. And man, bro, I I love that shit. That, that was my that's my number one favorite wrestling moment. Uh, currently, like as of current modern day wrestling, that's my number one favorite wrestling moment. I love that shit. Well. What time? I've been, I've been, I've been talking to y'all for about an hour. <laughs> talking about my, I, I, bro, I get lost talking about wrestling, bro. Just, just, I just, I just get lost talking about it. But as always, like I always say, to the people who listen to TNE, uh, the Nirvana Experience, I, I super appreciate y'all. Uh, to my new listener, to anybody new listening. I appreciate you taking your time out to listen to the show. Um, to my reoccurring listeners, same thing. I super appreciate y'all because not only did you take your time out to listen to the show and listen to me and um, listen to me talk and listen to me and Jay talk or whoever I have on the show talk, you came back and did it again for the second week. So I, I just I appreciate that so much. Um, um. Check us out on all the socials, TNE Beyond. That's the for all the socials, you know, TikTok, Twitter, which is X, uh, everything. Uh, like I said, I wanna uh I shouted out my uh, my partner Ella from graduating college. Um I like I like this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes I did so far. Well, I ain't gonna say one of my favorite, but like currently I, I, I had fun doing this episode, especially when I start talking about my favorite moments in wrestling. Um bruh, tomorrow. It's the day. Tomorrow is the day that Mortal Kombat 1 finally fucking released. And I can't wait. I'm going to get lost in it. I'm going to be on that jump for at least 10 hours. Bro. At least 10 hours. Doing a, going in training mode, which is the lab. Going to the lab. Trying to lab and see what character I like to see fit. Uh, that's um, best fit with me. They go online trying to get my first win. and I'm going to do story mode. Now, after I finish doing that story mode shit, I ain't doing that shit no more. It's strictly online. But uh, like I said, I appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, I see y'all next. I see y'all next week. Peace.